Hello and welcome to this free episode of TF. It's Riley and I'm here with Alice Hussein Milo and we are thrilled to once again be joined by uh, TF regular, uh, now firmly a denizen of the first class lounge <laughs> and uh, sipping one of his complimentary, non-vintage, but still complimentary champagnes. Uh, it's Jathan Sadowski from This Machine Kills. Jathan, how's it going? It's going well. Happy to be here. Happy to finally be recognized for the status I knew I had in my soul this whole time. Mm. Oh yeah, there there are not many. There are not many uh, 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 TF first class uh, executive club members. Mm. They're on. They're yeah. on. But I tell you what, they are all enjoying the complimentary punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the champagne uh, and punch. free pasties. Yeah, of course. Get a mini Yorkshire pudding on your way in. It's great. Mm. Yeah, and um, you get. And in addition to all of that, you get um, a free upgrade if there's a free business class just seat. Walking which... into the Trash Future Premium Lounge to see Riley in a waiter outfit with a bottle of uh, a bottle of champagne in each hand, emptying them into a punch bowl, immediately turning mm. around and leaving. You, you, <laughs> there, was a, there was a time when you'd get like a complimentary glass of piss, but because of shortages, um, that, yeah. that that no longer is offered in the in. Yeah, there's no one to drive back the piss tank drivers. Yeah. Yeah, mm. that's not. Yeah, well, no, you can. No, they're stuck in. Ge they're stuck in Germany. We can't. We're not importing yeah. like this guys anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. You can. We're getting British piss guys. Um, on, well, on after British the death wages. of the piss guy, you know, you you can't just get it. You have to like queue up and get in, right? And you can like maybe you can get in. What? Uh, but what? What show do I have to go to for the uh, the punch bowl full of liquid natural gas? Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, um, that's. I guess gonna... that would be well. That's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the Romaniacs yeah, don't no. have it, and they're arching their eyebrow over it, being like, uh, "See, maybe Brexit wasn't such a good idea." Yeah, the Romaniacs live in a big water tower. It's Brexit it? cost, but in order to get it, you have to like defeat Laura Koonsberg in a rap battle. Um, <laughs> oh, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk too much about Tory conference because mostly it was just the same people relitigating yeah, a lot of like but, the same shit. But yo, BBC raps. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, so apparently this was all tweeted out and then deleted all evidence of it wiped from the internet in a moment of insane journalist solidarity, where apparently Lewis Goodall and Laura Koonsberg of the BBC engaged in one of history's epic rap battles with Michael Gove. Mm. Yeah. Um, it was actually convened by epic rap battles and, and, of history. And had a, quote, dance-off, which I can't, I cannot imagine anything more embarrassing yeah, and, and Lewis Goodall to went to the assembled crowd, are there any Tory scum in tonight? Which is some great crowd work, but also, aren't you meant to <laughs> yeah, be a journalist? Yeah, him for emceeing. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was comparing the Tory conference after party. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, look, all MCs are hack. They all say stuff like, any couples in tonight, you know, <laughs> any how Tory long are you guys in tonight? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Anyone get a drink in the break? I just, I, I think, look, Alice and I were talking about this earlier, and, like, look, the Conservative Party is a party for people with dying brains, but because everyone's brain mm. is dying, they have a vice grip on, on the UK. The, the mm. Labour wants to get the people with dying brains because they're the only people who count, and they can't prize the Conservatives' hands off them, really. I, I welcome means, the dying brains. <laughs> I would encourage them to go further by being totally brain dead. Yeah. Which Zakir, means... We have to have you rap now. It's clearly <laughs> what the people want. We're gonna need <laughs> you to... We've booked you on fire in the booth. 
<laughs> no, come my on. Name, my name's Keir Starmer, and I'm here to say I'm going to rock this club in a responsible <laughs> way. <laughs> oh, yeah. you, can, you can just know that Coonsburg, Goodall, and Gove all cl- said their names and that they were here to say something in a major way and then sort of trailed mm. off uh, to Perfect. much applause. But Alice and I were clo- or, or cocking, uh, cocking, excuse yeah. me. Alice yeah. and- <laughs> Riley, and I, Riley and I were cocking each other off, whatever that means. <laughs> let me try that. Let me try that again. Excuse me. Uh, Alice and I were cooking up this idea that the way to destroy British electoral politics forever would be if there was kind of footage captured of Mr. B, the gentleman rhymer, um, doing uh, rapping with all of the major candidates at every party conference. Yeah, this is the zero percent turnout, no votes. If we have to do, uh, if we have to destroy the British political system, which we should, uh, then yeah. the answer is to fully make them embrace the chat pop that all of the people who took roller yes. briefcases to school yes. love so much. Own that shit. Oh yeah! Bring back Professor Elemental. Yeah, professor <laughs> Professor Elemental professor is going to be Chris Elemental witty. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna Mister B, the gentleman rhymer, can be the Tory one, and then everyone will lose faith in the British political system. One hundred percent. No one will get a single yeah, it's vote. It's like a very British coup, but it's us doing it, and we're doing it through the medium of chat hop. So that's right, Mister B, the gentleman rhymer. If you're willing to engage in some accelerationism, then we will hire you to play every party conference. If you're listening. Yeah. Yeah, which we know you are. Of course you are. (laughs) What else are you doing? You're certainly not doing chap hop because it's not 2010. (laughs) Please, Mr. B was my father. Call me Chris. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, no. So the the Tory party conference... uh, Useless, pointless, I, I, uh, I very funny they did a rap battle. kind of weird of both Michael Gove and Laura Koonsberg to drop all of those hard R's. But, you know, it is verisimilitude, right? I, look, mm. I would much prefer... Okay, imagine this, imagine this. Laura Koonsberg and Michael Gove, they're in the smoking area at Fold. It's six in the morning and the party's still raging. Mm-hmm. Vril and Inigo Kennedy are doing a back-to-back set, and the two of them are passing an unlit cigarette back and forth, talking about how real they are. <laughs> I would vote for that party. I just, I'm, I'm trying to envision what the rapping is, and you're right, the Gova's chat pop, right? Like, obviously. Yeah. But I just have this vision in my head that I'm unable to shake of Laura Koonsberg getting on the mic and doing some, like, actually pretty deep-cut Wu-Tang shit. <laughs> no. but again, uh, I think um, she was doing the verses from Wannabe by the Spice Girls. <laughs> Laura Koonsberg grabs podium, liquid swords. <laughs> uh, right, right, right. Anyway, but we're not we're not actually talking about anything British today. That's going to be the end of the British segment for us for a while. We talked about British politics too many weeks recently. Mm. I got a startup. Okay, startup, startup, startup. Mm. It's called Improbable. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> Stay in immediate fuck off from me. Is it the name of a chatbot rapper? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's Senor Improbable. <laughs> yeah, it's sen- Senor Improbable, the Cypress Hill of chap hop. They call me Mr. Unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> they call me Mr. Unlikely because all the girls like me. There we go. We're chap hoppers Dropping now. intellectual raps, bitch, I might be. It's <laughs> <laughs> easy. <laughs> Jathan, as the guest, it's called Improbable. What do you think it does? Please do not use your advanced knowledge of the theme of this yeah, episode. But please, but please answer say. in raps. 
I was gonna say I I know what it does. This is unfair. I I I'm I'm a I'm a okay. ringer here. Well, you are you're ex you're disqualified. Go enjoy your champagne punch, <laughs> Milo. Okay, Im improbable. So um. I mean, this the name really doesn't help because all of the startups that we ever mention all do something that is objectively improbable. Oh, speaking <laughs> of, before we before we go on, Ginkgo Bioworks has now been apparently, which we talked about with Alex Skaggs the last time we talked with her. Turns out Ginkgo Bioworks is a uh, bullshit. Huh? That one of the huh. many things we've said was scams was Wait, a scam. Riley, are you saying I shouldn't have invested in them? <laughs> <laughs> didn't invest all the Patreon in Ginkgo Bioworks along with SoftBank, wait, Riley, did you? was that not investment advice? <laughs> <laughs> because oh you god. didn't clarify. Oh my god. Oh my god. No, improbable. Come on. Get you, just, first Come thing on, comes I'm to your mind. To, I'm trying to get into the headspace. The full name is Improbable Worlds, but it's registered as improbable. Oh, Improbable Worlds. They're doing something about the future. Uh huh. That's sort of table stakes. The future. Okay. Yes. Um. They're gonna. Um. They are lending you money to start a business through an app. No. Oh. That's very low effort. Come on. Uh. Hussein. So my initial idea was that it's a gig economy app, but for like magicians. Um. <laughs> as fun as that is. Yeah. I'd love to see a magician and go. Well, that looks highly improbable. David Blaine I'll has you, fallen on this. hard times. <laughs> <laughs> Who would need that many handkerchiefs? Come on! I'm just imagining, it's a I'm just imagining like it's... people, like you know, um, aspiring magicians on like penny farthings, like cycling around London. Um, uh, yeah, like going going to various corporate events and being being okay. magicians. Because now that now that um, now that we're getting back to work and everyone's coming, you know, everyone's being encouraged to go back to the office. What better way to encourage people to come back than by saying that you know, there's a guy who'll do magic tricks for you whenever you want. That's true. I'm afraid the, uh, the gig economy app for magicians. That's a good idea, but SoftBank <laughs> did invest a half a billion dollars into it, which is also something they would do for a gig economy app for magicians. <laughs> Alice. It puts a fucking betting shop on the blockchain. <clears throat> a blockchain. It is to do with blockchain mm -hmm. a little bit. That, that was a Just... gimme. I was going for the gambling angle because, like, improbable probability odds. Uh, uh, so, you're being okay. too clever, Alice. Mm. Improbable's vision is to reimagine how people play, work, and live. We are dedicated to building blank. Um, an, an enormous well, like... tower to pierce the heavens and assault the throne of God. <laughs> I have to say this really quick thing just to get it off my chest. That sure, what Hussein was saying reminded me that Tom Walker was telling me he once did a gig in a in a magic club. Friend of the show, Tom in, Walker in, in Australia. In Australia. Yeah, we love we love Tom Walker. I tell and him. the guy the guy who ran the magic club, who was a magician, uh, had been on like hard times and was like clearly like sleeping in the magic club. <laughs> and then Tom was chatting to him like, "Oh, you know, man, how you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, it's been kind of a bad week. Like, first of all, my rabbit died." <laughs> 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 uh, and second of all these vaccines, am I right? Yeah, that is right. Um, no, uh, 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 no, it's not the Tower of Babel. Hussein, to reimagine how people play, work, and live, we are dedicated to building blank. What's blank? God, it could be so many things. Because like we've just done so much. It could. It really could. I'm not helping you with these. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say it will be like a, a gigantic orb and an unnecessary obelisk. <laughs> if it, um, that'll if help it's a, you, like mm. do work. If it's a hint, the um, name improbable is more of like a prophecy for what this company will 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 how it will end up. 
Mm. I actually have their track record in front of me. It's less of a prophecy and more of a descriptor. Is it some kind of booth? Are they going to build? Are they building some kind of booth? Mm, no, I'm uh, afraid oh, not. Fuck! Are they building a virtual world? Yes. <laughs> oh no. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> yes, they sure are, Milo. Hell yeah, they're finally building hentai you can live. <laughs> it's called my second yeah. life. I, I'm da- I, if it's hentai you can live, I'm down. Like, Just give me the details. I've got some cash. Uh, Alice, you're pretty much right. Oh, uh, it is, they're basically doing... Like, they're, they're, what they're trying to do, right, is they're thinking, well, look, Second Life is basically going to be a gold rush once everything is Second Life. So let's do the picks and shovels. Let's build the operating system upon which these giant, persistent multiplayer spaces that are games in some respects, but could be a meeting room in other respects or a simulation of a city in others. Oh my God, it's like the the Matt Hancock metaverse. It is, in fact, a metaverse company. Hell yeah. Um, I want to go to my uh, 9am HR disciplinary meeting about photocopying my ass as one of the characters from Team Fortress 2. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you could be the demo man. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I keep like blowing stuff up in the room. I'm sure you're going to get into this, Riley, but in addition to being a game studio with a bunch of game devs on staff, they also have a sideline in, in what they call improbable defense. Uh, <laughs> oh, what? Jason, that's uh, not a sideline. That's where all their revenue yes, comes from. Yes, because they have <laughs> never made a game that hasn't failed immediately. So, awesome. They claim to have a hundred plus dedicated defense experts, either on staff or at tap, in order yeah. to do, mm. do what, like sell the army second life. To sell them yes. virtual reality goggles. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, like, America's Army, yeah. but this time it's an MMO. Fantastic. But also, oh, gamers like, join the up. other thing is, guess what? Everything about it is British. Oh, it's a no. British company. It, a it works only with no, the British Army. Strapping on my yes. VR goggles to do some war crimes in Northern Ireland. <laughs> Good morning, man. It's 4 a.m. virtual time. <laughs> <laughs> you so, will strap on your VR goggles and use them to look at this hentai. <laughs> so, they, so basically, they say we are a games company, but we imagine games I'm, in a very different way. I, I'm just, I'm, mm. I, I can't get over this. I'm really worried about the effects of exposing British squaddies to hentai. <laughs> Those are two <laughs> things. It's like the demon core. Those two hemispheres cannot be allowed to meet. Is it, is it so? Like, if it's like very, if it's if it's British, right, and it's British VR. Yeah. And it's oh like, boy, is, is, it is it recreating mm. Britain, but like it, 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 it's like ostensibly worse and more dis- and like more dysfunctional in virtual reality than it is in like so, the real world. So they do one of their big things that they do. So there's two improbables, right? There is improbable main, which makes uh, games all of which have folded and none of which have been successful. Um, awesome. Like they've lost SoftBank a ton of money, but if, what else is so new? they're doing? Praxis. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're basically just draining Masayoshi-san's Saudi money into like the pockets of you know games developers in Britain, um, and because they have this thing, and again, uh, this is a bit technical, but it is an engine for scaling compute power to render giant three D worlds based on usage, but that uses an extremely esoteric and advanced programming language called Scala, right? That only right. really like sort of quite top-end computer scientists use. And while it all technically works, and it technically works quite beautifully, it scales horrifyingly poorly. It's almost impossible to use, and it doesn't really work well at scale. Mm. Ah. And so that's one of the reasons that none of the games they've ever made have ever succeeded. Um, 
if only it's because it's like trying to apply the principle of Amazon Web Services to generating a, a potentially infinitely large 3D open world to interact in. Mm-hmm. That can be for games. Or it can be for simulations, like, for example, what they sell to the army. So they will simulate mm. all of Britain. So you can see what would happen, for example, if a fist fight broke out at every petrol station in the country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we have simulated that for you. Yeah. Uh, leave your house yeah. and have a look. <laughs> I, I love the language uh, they use to describe this on their, on their website. So they say, in 2020, Improbable's defense business announces contracts to supply its synthetic environment platform as a single synthetic environment technology distributor to the British Army and UK strategic command i love synthetic environment <laughs> platform <laughs> yeah mm. it's a game but word it's more respectable language basically right, right. it's e- it's, a, e- 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 <laughs> it's a game you know what it is it's a game you can have a meeting in basically that's mm. what a synthetic environment is awesome um so my favorite kind of game <laughs> the um <laughs> we're having a little meeting in james bond nightfire the guy's name in charge of it is a guy called Herman Narula, who uh, actually was at Girton, apparently. Oh. Um, and uh, his, uh, the son of a billionaire property developer in India. Oh, cool. oh of course. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Just a coincidence, um, Riley. You are a conspiracy <laughs> theorist. You see coincidences <laughs> and you create meaning out of them. <laughs> so mm. he says, the feeling you get in stadium when thousands of fans around you are roaring is very different to going on a message board and talking about it. The utility of what we call the metaverse, which is these persistent worlds, is mm. proportional to how many things can happen together at any moment in time. I was, I was told so ba- to touch grass, and so I have invented this grass simulator. <laughs> Synthetic grass <laughs> environment simulator. <laughs> yeah, Alice, grass simulator is absolutely something you would play. I literally have us. been playing grass mowing simulator. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but this is, this is improbable defense, as you mentioned, Jathan. Uh, this is from their website. From uniquely immersive collective training to policy design and operational decision support, the latest synthetic environments can transform an organization's ability to address complex challenges and orchestrate a swift integrated response. Richly detailed and endlessly adaptable, virtual worlds integrate land, sea, air, space, and cyber with the information domain as well as abstract, political, social, diplomatic, and economic systems. Now, Jathan, I want to just... Because I, I have my explanation as to why that's total horseshit. What's your explanation as to why that's total horseshit? <laughs> I mean, it, it's total horseshit because, I, well, it, it's all a bunch of words that are strung together that mean nothing, right? Like, it's very clearly just military buzzwords meant to be a pitch deck, right? Like, land, sea, air, and cyber. Uh, like, it, mm. I mean, on one hand, I applaud them for, for defrauding the, uh, the British army out of what I'm sure is... that was difficult to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, go ahead. I mean, <laughs> get, get, secure that bag. Get those millions and billions mm. of dollars from the army to provide them with <laughs> a really low-poly second life. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, it normally is quite hard to defraud the British army because the British army doesn't have any money. <laughs> it's not that they're smart. It's like, well, we would love to spend a billion dollars. We don't have any. On your silly game. Yeah. I know, so the, the reason I think it's horseshit is because no matter how good your simulation environment is, all you're going to do is reproduce your own biases in it. Mm. So they're basically just mm. saying, what if the Millennium Challenge had a VR element? Mm. Well, or also, less. this isn't anything new. Like The military's been training with, uh, with like video games for ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Bohemia Interactive used fucking uh, like the Armed Assault games for VBS too. Like it's it's nothing new. What's interesting to me is the sort of like MMOification of this. Yeah, mm. that's that's what interests me. Is like. Okay, fine. You you like you know pretend to shoot people in a video game in order to train to do it in real life. Fine, whatever. What's interesting is if they can get the military hooked on microtransactions. If we can get the parachute <laughs> regiment into loot boxes, it's fucking over. I mean, awesome. I think the most is it like you're taking heavy fire in like Iraq somewhere, and then and then a guy comes up and is like, "Oh, if you buy some special gold coins, we can drop you more ammunition." <laughs> oh, it wouldn't even be yeah, that. It would just be like a skin for your gun. Premium parachute. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing yeah. with with stuff yeah. like the metaverse and with this is, you always have to ask, like, what really shitty, explicitly dystopian sci-fi novel are they trying to creep, like make into reality? I mean, the metaverse, we'll talk about it as like, it's, it's an idea from Snow Crash, right? The Neil Stevenson novel, mm -hmm. but improbable defense sounds like Ender's Game, right? What if we could get yep. like British teens to think that they are like fighting Northern Ireland, but in reality, they actually mm. are fighting Northern Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um before we go on out of the startup uh the 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 founder herman narula did do a thread um that i think sets up our conversation about this emerging technological it's more than a platform or approach a technological paradigm mm. that's being pushed by the same fucking you know uh monsters and devil worshipers that have pushed all the technological <laughs> paradigms so far awesome um gotta worship someone <laughs> narula says in some quarters, folks are simultaneously outraged by the possibility of the metaverse while also openly unclear on what it is. It's a curious phenomenon for something to be so triggering and also worthy of such analysis. We need a simple definition of a metaverse. It is a network of connected experiences which provide fulfillment, develop social relationships, or otherwise provide value to community of users, including but not limited to entertainment. That's such a cheap thing to call it triggering, though. Like, nobody's <laughs> yeah. triggered yeah. by this. Yeah, it's yeah. also very funny to be like, we need a simple explanation of this, and then proceeds to say some stuff that means almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> to be a metaverse and not just a game, these experiences have to must have an aggregate real consequences, real property ownership, the ability to transfer value and build investable businesses, or create real cultural outputs. And if you die in the game, you die in real life. The <laughs> <laughs> no. brain makes it real. And this is why I wanted to read this this thread because if here's what it gets to: one of the core tech utopian rejoinders mm. to criticisms of this thing called the metaverse, which we will define more fully anon. Now, the first question would be, why is anyone against this? The search for even deeper psychological fulfillment is so fundamental to our psyche that even closely related primates are motivated by the need for autonomy, relatedness, etc. Mm. Let's consider potential objections. You perhaps imagine, quote-unquote, virtual experiences are somehow less useful than, quote-unquote, real experiences. Unfortunately, you are now then against dreams and basically all inner thoughts, which sounds like a dire position to hold. <laughs> I, I've been um, fucking out logic by this guy. I'm sorry. Yeah, you've actually been living in a metaphorse your whole life. <laughs> uh, so... I'm going to sort of just slowly slip into the main, the meat of the episode here now that we're done the startup. Jason, what is the metaverse? I mean, join me. <laughs> the metaverse is everywhere. Yes. It is all around us. The metaverse. <laughs> no, it's not. It's nowhere. It's it's in a bunch of idiots' brains. Yeah. Please, Jason, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a it's a good question what is the metaverse? And and Herman Narula in the, in the in the thread that you you're referring to does a really good job of showing how even somebody who has this company that is meant to be a metaverse 
like a metaverse first company or whatever still clearly has no fucking idea what the metaverse is, even as he browbeats everyone for also having no idea what it is. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's because there is there is no such thing as the metaverse and even like Facebook. Right. So it's Facebook is the metaverse. Right. In 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 terms of like what it is right now or what it's going to be, it's going to be something that is completely directed if not outright owned solely by Facebook uh, but even then like Facebook themselves are not clear what it is right now it appears to just be like you you know how you hate your office but then but then covid lockdown Boy, happened <laughs> but then covid <laughs> lockdown happened and you were like maybe actually I kind of miss my office well the metaverse is mm. going to be the synthesis of that dialectic you won't actually get to your office but you will get a virtual office instead that's the metaverse you still have to go to meetings but you get to go to meetings <laughs> dressed as iron man if you pay to buy the premium iron man <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, you you will so, you'll never have to leave home. All you'll have to do is strap on your big giant Oculus Rift goggles and now you're you're in the office. But importantly, you're only in the office from the waist up, so you can't ever do a tubin. <laughs> it's basically tubin insurance. <laughs> yeah. um, so, if we want to talk so this metaverse that we've been talking about, right? Um and and interestingly, I think remember I hate. I really do hate to do Twitter review here, but here it's sort of worth doing. That when Grimes posted a status after she was just seen doing some moronic shit in Los Angeles, she said, "I'm not a socialist. I believe in a radical form of UBI based on crypto and gaming." <laughs> <laughs> How could I forget? Ego's always saying this. It's trapped. Don't do it. Yeah. Like I've fallen for this many times before. <laughs> but the Grimes, thing is, come on, trash. Red, the thing is, red flag. Red flag. The, th mm. the thing is, right, I suspect that she has coin. been so, <laughs> she's been so in what is currently this really this thing that's very big in fashion among techno utopians, this metaverse thing, that that's what she was talking about. She was talking about the metaverse. Um, and this is defined um, by a venture capitalist called Matthew Ball as, quote, an expansive network of persistent real-time rendered 3D worlds and simulations that support continuity of identity, objects, history, payments, and entitlements, and can be experienced synchronously by an effectively unlimited number of users, each with an individual sense of physical presence. This is, this is something that people have been trying to push for like, do you have a PlayStation Home? Do you remember when you, uh, your, play, oh, your yeah. PlayStation came with a metaverse <laughs> thing in there? And nobody ever used it, but it was there. It's the same thing. No, except... no, Alice, let's be fair. Pedophiles used it. <laughs> <laughs> but now imagine that, but also it's your work. You, you work on the yeah. PlayStation Home app. Well, Yeah, I have meetings with the pedophiles. Exactly, yeah. It, it didn't work before because we didn't have the blockchain, Alice. That's why. And and we didn't have all of those, like, uh, okay. really... Whenever I need to make something functional, that's what I feel like I'm missing is the blockchain. That's right. I'd spend, like, the last few months on, like, VR chat, which is, I guess, like, a metaverse-ish type of thing. Um, well, everything for, like, is because the metaverse means nothing. Yeah but, yeah, but I mean, like, the whole, like, VR sort of, like, interface thing, right? And, like... I, so I just spent like the past couple of months on it because like it was part of my uh, dissertation research and everything, um, and like it was really like weird to sort of like adapt to. I could understand like why people like enjoyed it, but even 
while I was doing like I was very like there's a very small number of people who actually use VR chat, which is like quite an advanced kind of social virtual reality social media network and probably like the main one that like people use. Um, I guess like my thinking about like metaverse type stuff and Jason, I'm really, really interested in like hearing your thoughts on this is more just like, is this kind of, it's, it's not going to be a thing that people enjoy, but rather that people are going to have to be, are going to be forced to use. And that is very kind of similar to lots of other Facebook products where it's like, you know, we know that we, you don't like using like you don't like using any of the platforms. They're all kind of fucking awful. They all kind of bring out the worst impulses into every user and like the platforms incentivize them. But also in order to kind of like maintain our dominance, um, we're going to like give you no choice but to use them. So you better love enjoying being in your VR office. I, I think that is broadly right. I mean, the metaverse right now is Really, you know, while while you have people like Matthew Ball and you have people like Herman Nerula talking about it in these grand uh, kind of ways of it being like this everyday thing that replaces social activity that but but not replaces right because it's not virtual it's it's real right and if you if you don't agree with that then you don't agree with the concept of dreaming uh, but but I think you're exactly right here who's saying where the 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 business case for the metaverse right now is really a it's a it's a it's a b2b kind of service right like like i've heard from friends of mine who are are like high up in some uh some of the major consulting companies like global consulting companies that they're going all in on virtual reality as like a management consulting solution that they're pitching to um, to other, you know, very large yeah. corporations. Oh, great. I can get fired by a McKinsey guy wearing an Iron Man suit. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's virtual office space, right? Um, but but like I think that I think that's exactly right though, is that the way that we get pulled into the metaverse is by hook and crook, right? It's by our boss being like, this is where office, this is where meetings are being done now, right? Like this is yeah. where you have to go to hang out by the virtual water cooler. And you have to also go to mandatory fun at the virtual happy hour and like all of that, right? And like, uh, you know, the and, and Microsoft becomes or Facebook becomes the big contractor, not only for the software, but the hardware with the goggles mm -hmm. and all that. Like that uh, to me, that seems like the real business case and everything else about like authentic social re uh, interactions and relationships and blah, blah, blah is is just like the sugar to try to help the medicine go down. Mm. Well, we talk a lot, right, about um, lifestyle being the thin end of the wedge. In a lot of these things where the way that a lot of these developments that end up being sort of quite, you know, quite humanly terrible end up getting sold is by saying, oh, it will free you from these inconveniences. That is to say, you will no longer be limited in your social interaction by having the physical distance, of having to go see someone. Hmm. You can like be you can be owning a full Iron Man suit. Yeah, exactly. You are. You can own an actual Iron Man suit and be within the reality of the metaverse. Actually, Iron Man. If you buy the NFT, because mm -hmm. the way the metaverse is pitched by people like Ball, especially, and by the sort of the VCs of the companies behind it, someone like Narula as well, is what they say is this is our opportunity to apply all of the wonderful. Uh, impulses of small-scale private property to a potentially infinite and limitless world. Mm -hmm. So we have these incentives for new kinds of creators to make, 
you know, a, a big sort of fancy Minecraft island. We have incentives for someone to like make a rare for Disney to make a rare Iron Man suit that only one person can own. And then someone gets to be a real Iron Man as far as everyone's concerned. Right. Mm. And then you can. Yeah, you can go to your meeting as Iron Man. Cool. Um, and but it's I'm Iron Man right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the, what's I find quite sort of interesting and worth talking about about it is that this is. We, of, of all of the visions of the future, right, that the Tedfin Tech companies have, I think this is the one that's most likely going to be enforced on the most people and so is worth watching out for the most, mm. right? This idea that you are going to have to spend more time in corporate-controlled virtual spatial platforms with persistent economies that you're going to be asked to labor in and also labor to maintain. Oh, good. Yeah, let's have our next meeting in Eve Online. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you, it's interesting you should say Eve Online because the next paragraph in Matthew Ball he says it has to span the physical and virtual worlds. So that means that, for example, uh, I don't know you could like buy a card, scan it on your phone, and then your persistent avatar that exists across Facebook's metaverse and Deloitte Consulting's metaverse, and also the dance club's metaverse or whatever that you can carry that card of the avatar that's got like connected to an NFT or whatever that you bought through all of those worlds. Mm. Um, yeah, that interoperability is really interesting. I mean, this is also bringing in that blockchain element of like, this is the use case for things like DAOs, right? Decentralized autonomous yep. organizations. But through blockchain, exactly, like your, your property ownership of an NFT or some virtual uh, land holding or whatever, uh, importantly, is not just on one server, it's across all the servers. Mm. Because we have, because what we've done basically is we have now solved, according to the logic of like, you know, your basic supply and demand, uh, uh, you know, Milton Friedman logic, right? We have now solved the institutional problems that sort of prevent us from having this perfect economy. Right, that's that's mm -hmm. the that's the the belief here, right? I love that. Basically, based on my dumb guy's understanding of what you're saying, they've like they they've come up with the idea of having a virtual world, which like they can't actually do. But fine, whatever. Let's let's imagine they create this virtual world, and then the first thing they're making sure they can do with it is ensure that landlords still exist <laughs> in some sort of virtual realm. Yes. Like there's still going to be virtual land ownership. <laughs> oh, there's so much virtual land ownership on the block. You can own, like, there's been a second London created that you could buy property in Mayfair in as an NFT. So you could have like an NFT Amazing. of like um uh, uh that one kid, the Azerbaijan the, the 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 Azerbaijani kid. Uh, you could have an NFT of his office building, cool. and then cool. you own it. <laughs> no one can say you can't. Mm. I mean, this is what we were talking about uh, before the episode, Riley, is that like this is this is like digital Georgism, but Facebook is the state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so th speaking of Facebook, right? Facebook has said like cause, uh, Musk and Bezos both have space travel, right? That is their mm -hmm. grand utopian vision of the future is go to space and then just it just so happens because utopian or dystopian visions of the future are all power fantasies uh the the musk bezos power fantasy is one about controlling a new kind of society in real life the zuckerberg power fantasy is the metaverse and that's why it's worth talking about because facebook is dumping enormous amounts of money 
into trying to build it. Mm. Or, or rather, into trying to kickstart the technologies that will build it. Because the metaverse isn't defined, and I, I take them at this point. Just like the mobile internet isn't the iPhone or Twitter or you know a, a, a touchscreen, the mobile internet is kind of a phenomenon arising from all of those things together, mm. as well as the labor of all of the people who... Supervenient yeah. quality. <laughs> Precisely. The metaverse is in the same sense, mm. like the mobile internet. It is... It is an emergent property of many different of these places that share things in common like persistent economies, a sense mm. of sort of virtual spatiality, and so on. Um, and Facebook is trying to do enough investment in it that it becomes a thing, that it's reified, that other people then start developing metaverse apps. They just happen to develop them on Facebook's platform. So this is what Facebook says to define it. The metaverse is a set of virtual spaces where you can create and explore with other people who aren't in the same physical space as you. Again, note those words, create and explore. This is basically appealing to Montessori-educated middle managers, mm. right? But it, it, no matter how many times... Remember, always remember, Uber was about middle management type people making extra money on the weekend to go to the craft beer bar. It's not mm. how it turned out. The same thing here. This yeah. is pitching itself as being a, a technological uh, uh, like a vehicle. like a hobby yeah. thing. Yes. Or, or as a way to make your life better, more comfortable, and more fun. And it never turns out like that. Uh, so, to create and explore with other people who aren't in the same physical space as you. And also, it's in a fucking kindergarten? What the fuck? <laughs> it's embarrassing to read this. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's great, right? Because we had all of these ideas of like, uh, a rapacious business was going to bring us a, a sort of a physical internet, a cyberspace, right? That's what Snow Crash has. That's what fucking Neuromancer has. But that's all with the the mindset of sort of what business guys were like in the 80s with the sort of gold Rolex, greed is good type of thing. <laughs> uh, whereas what, what Cyberpunk failed to predict was how fucking cringe business guys would be. And so what we have instead yeah. is fucking American Psycho. I think, it's, I think it's also just like this is also just like I an, can't believe Van Patten preferred preferred Alan's Funko Pop to mine. <laughs> yeah, the 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 the, 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 the subtle like the subtle pastel tones. Um, what I was gonna say was that like I think it's also this acknowledgement that by like you know by the by the tech guys that like material advancement isn't gonna happen or like you know they've kind of like exceeded the idea that you can you know that tech kind of has a material like ambition to it. So instead what they've kind of done is suggest that, you know, digital items are just as valuable and just as important mm -hmm. um, and just as mm -hmm. useful. And um, digital experiences. And, and, and crucially mm -hmm. digital experiences. But I guess like what, when I think about like NFTs and like digital objects and like, um, I think, I, I don't know whether this, I, I, I need to like read the story properly, but there has been like a news article recently that in London that they have released the 4D Monopoly experience. Um, Wait, 4D. So it's a game of Monopoly that goes through time. Yeah, no, you get pissed on. I, well. I, it might be like augmented, <laughs> but I'm not entirely sure. But the idea is basically that like it's a kind of like Monopoly style escape room, but it's like everything is sort of like digital. And it kind of it, it just like struck me as like very perverse because it's so again, it's that idea that like, yeah, you know, you can use this game to like buy to buy like a house in Mayfair. Um uh, and like it can feel like you're sort of like owning something material, and I think that's like the metaverse really is like this kind of very pure example of you know create like taking the idea of like material ownership and like placing it within like this broader experience economy, and then trying to sell that as like something like 
ultimately good and valuable. Like the idea of owning something becomes like a monetizable product. Mon- well, Monopoly it's not style just owning, escape room is that that's capitalism. Right. <laughs> You've just described. <laughs> it. <laughs> I think it's it's not just the ownership of things. I think it's also produ- it's it's exchange completely without production as mm. well. Yeah, you know, it's it's imagining sort of that that it's imagining a version of the economy that exists without producing anything, just people exchanging preferences. Right, right-clicking save that's, as is a form of labor, yeah. and I'm not gonna I'm Let, not gonna hear anything. Let's take a look. I'm not, I'm not, I'm let's not. take a look at Paul Allen's Lazy Lion NFT. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it it's smoking a big joint. Yeah. It's, it's it's shimmering. Oh, the, 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 ta- the tasteful cowboy in, hat in, on in this, okay, so, 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 so in this universe, is like the Salt Bay restaurant, like the Dorsia. Yeah. <laughs> so they say, you'll be able to hang out with friends, work, play, learn, shop, create, and more. Again, describing a fucking kindergarten minus shop, basically. Yeah. Please, please stop saying play. It's a, yeah, that just sounds like you're doing sex stuff in Second Life. <laughs> yeah, not in a good way. It's a mall. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mall with a ball pit. Crucially, in the, mm. in the Facebook metaverse, unlike Second Life, you are not allowed to have sex. No. So, mm. it's not necessarily about spending more time online. Yes, it is. It's about <laughs> making the time you do spend online more meaningful. <laughs> Whoa. That's, that's such an improving the quality of weight ass sentence. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can't, I can't wait for the UK to invent metaverse dogging. It is a matter of time. <laughs> so they say, here are a few key areas where we'll work with others to anticipate the risks and get it right. Economic opportunity, how we give people more choice, encourage competition, and maintain a thriving digital economy. Why? 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 What's the, it's, it's, you say, we sort of agreed that, well, material improvement, material improvement in conditions is basically just beyond what we can handle. So what instead we're going to do is you're going to get a bunch of like, you know, different soy, soy style products, and you're going to be able to like buy them in such a way that like burns down the last tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, privacy. That's obviously bullshit. Safety and integrity, obviously bullshit. Equity and inclusion, uh, rather than talking about any of the actual threats to equity, uh, to let's say, yeah, the, the, the actual things that Facebook does to like make mm. the world a more sort of unequal and dangerous place for minorities. Yeah. They were like, are there enough women building the, multi- the, mega- the metaverse? You can have an Iron Man suit with your pronouns on it if I you want. I am more women Iron Man. <laughs> so yeah, here's the fun. Iron Man. All, you know, you know first- all of this is so part bad. of like Facebook's... Uh, they they had a newsroom post that was about how they're spending like fifty million dollars over two years to invest in how to build the metaverse responsibly, right? Like that that's what all yeah. of this is a, is 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 tagged to. Yeah, which I thought it would be like it. A lot of private capital outside of Facebook is getting deployed to do this. I thought that Facebook would put more in. I think I suspect what Facebook is doing is waiting for there to be a killer app. That actually gets people onto the metaverse and then mm. spending big money on it, mm. because right now they're not. But they, you can tell they want to, and they're trying to encourage others to. Um, but so here is of the initial partners of Facebook in the metaverse, the first one fucking threw me for a massive loop. <laughs> okay, the Organization of American States, the people that called the Bolivian election into question. Oh yeah. Awesome. My I'm not a CIA front group shirt is raising a lot of questions <laughs> answered by my shirt. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to, for first thing, they're, they're going to build fucking, I don't know, like 
they're going to build like a virtual Langley, Virginia for these guys to like, you <laughs> oh. know, fit, go to. Th- you could go to School of the Americas, but in VR, basically. Yeah, we can have VR Michaels. <laughs> so, so in this partnership with uh, like in this little, uh, you know, tagline about how, how they're partnering with the Organization of American States, they say it's on job training and skills development, which makes me think yeah, is School of the Americas. Yeah, the School of the, which makes me think like. You know, in, in your guys' recent episode with Paris Marx, uh, he, re- he he brought up Sleep Dealer um, a couple times, that movie. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Facebook is just making Sleep Dealer into reality with the with the OAS. Like that's like you just yeah. plug in a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of really low wage workers in uh, in South America into the metaverse and they can do you know, real labor in North America without ever having to actually cross the border. So it's like you got British teens doing in-gamer uh, and you've got South Americans doing sleep dealer. Like the metaverse is really <laughs> shaping up to being a, you know, a, a thing of our fantasies. Yeah. And then you have like British middle-aged, like middle managers doing snow crash. <laughs> yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, it's, it's, we've taken a bunch of these dystopias and we've filtered them through some of the most embarrassing people in the world, basically. Um, so, let, there's a little more from the, from the FT. Uh, and this is some, another thing I want to highlight, right? They say that uh, many define the metaverse as this collection of shared online worlds which are interoperable so that users can move through them while carrying with them their digital identities, money, and property. Meaning, um, again, your, your private property in this, again potentially infinite series an infinite amount of places an infinite area where there is infinite potential for quote unquote production because things just have to be designed and imagined to exist right there is no materiality to it there nevertheless is going to be identities money and property which is this very almost this this strangely reductive assumption but then at the same time there's this very expansive assumption that of the real production that happens of companies building servers and creating products that people then use, they say, oh, no, it's going to be perfectly interoperable. So we've imagined almost no private property on the big important end where there's actual production happening and then infinite tiny bits of private property on the end of personal experience, Mm. which feels very sort of either naive or someone is scamming someone. But the whole thing seems very on its face like a very stupid idea. Right, like, what, what do you think of the interoperability angle? I, I mean, I think the the interoperability angle is interesting because in reality, that only happens in in a few very limited ways. Either uh, there's like a, a international government organization, like the ISO, steps in and creates a standard that is then enforced on everybody, uh, or it happens through monopoly or cartels, right? Where it's like. Uh, Facebook mm-hmm. owns all the servers and that makes them interoperable. But, you know, they're just owning the back end, right? They're just owning the infrastructure. And you get to build your own world on top of their infrastructure or it's a cartel, right? Or it's like it's like AWS mm-hmm. and Alphabet and Facebook have all agreed to go in together to uh, to create a shared standard. Uh, and so they they split the pie, you know, one third each. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, to me, that that is the only way that this interoperability actually happens in practice. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's absolutely right, right? Like this idea that it's all going to be built on sort of open standards, it seems to me to be fantasism. Yes. Right, like the, the, this is going to be, 
the, the the bidding is for being a, an oligopoly at best, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things we talked about, we sort of before, right, is that the oligopoly fa- experience escape room in four D fa- fantasies about a totally transformed world, whether utopian or dystopian, are always power fantasies. And this, to me, seems like actually a fantasy about the end of the world. It's a fantasy about moving from a, mater- a primarily material reality into a primarily immaterial one that is being dreamed of most um, aggressively, you might say, by the tech by by the of the big tech companies, the one that is in the most trouble, basically. Hmm. You know, on, on a kind of global scale, these kinds of fantasies intensify as material conditions deteriorate. But on an institutional scale, this kind of fantasy is Facebook saying, we will stem the outflow of our users by being the only place anyone interacts ever. You know, you won't go to, you won't go to the club. You'll put on your you know, cyber helmet, you'll sit on the couch, and then you will imagine dancing with your friends, mm. effectively. You will, yeah, you'll imagine digitally pissing in someone's mouth at the Facebook <laughs> digital club. Yeah, that's right. FaceTime. <laughs> like, it feels trite to like constantly refer back to Guy Debord with this stuff, but it really does <laughs> feel like capitalism is presenting itself as an immense accumulation of spectacles, right? Like we've moved beyond the commodity. We're in a post-material, mm. post-commodity, post-capitalist society. And it's just one based on Baudrillard and Debord. Like, like this is some real retro, like just in the same way that these ideas are like retro sci-fi, like 80s, 90s type shit. So is the social theory and the political economy underlying it. Like real retro ba- uh, Baudrillard and Debord. <laughs> yeah, this is sort of what I find fascinating about like stuff like this is like some you know, visions of, of a way of, of life, which, you know, they might be unsustainable, like the idea of everyone having a big house and four cars in the suburbs or whatever. But you can see how they're desirable. But the vision of the future where you're going to, like, the online Berghain in your VR helmet and, like, you know, getting virtually pissed on or whatever, it's like, it's there's not... There's more Berghain than that! <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> it's not like... I, I don't see what's desirable about that. Why wouldn't you just want to go there and get yeah, pissed on in real life? Just, like satisfying well, no one yeah it was only it was only desirable if like the material like alternative it like doesn't exist and i think that's kind of what these tech companies for, for like for all the kind of dumb ideas they come up with like do recognize is like the true like the kind of like central trajectory right the idea that ultimately people aren't going to be able to afford like basic material indulgences so instead they're sort of like creating virtual simulations of it and you know as as because it's facebook and like you know facebook is going back to its origins which is that it's all about kind of like creating personalized exclusivity so that means like creating the exclusive like virtual Berghain with the virtual piss where you have to be in the queue but by being the virtual queue for 10 hours and not getting laid um, into in virtual Berghain. <laughs> you're wearing an all black Iron Man suit and yeah, he's well, like, sorry, I, not tonight. I've, I've been wasting in the queue for four days to get into the virtual Berghain, only for virtual Sven to tell me that my uh, that my skin isn't fashionable enough. Yeah, virtual to, Sven who's dressed receive. as Rick from Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like ultimately I think that's kind of like what the sort of like really sinister backdrop to this is. It's like this reality, this, this thing that like tech companies kind of realize where, you know, you know, where like 
kind of real world is heading towards they sort of know that it's gonna suck and they're just trying to like get in on it early yeah, and like I don't, and like I don't, I don't think like the metaverse as it exists with like the weird vr like office is going to be like the dominant form of how it works i think that's just kind of like one build of it but i think like the general principle of like face and like facebook have spent years basically scaling you know scaling its like platform and like getting loads and loads of users it's still like the platform i think with like the most amount of users of any social media platform um like so they've spent years trying to get this thing and now they can like seamlessly transition those uh those members into this new environment uh or like force them yeah or like force them to participate in that environment because like what is the alternative well, uh, yeah capital getting displaced first by geography and then by like time and then finally just out of reality altogether <laughs> great well, I think you say, what's the alternative? I think mostly what's how people are going to be interacting with this is through the levers of coercion. I think people are going to be coerced into this thing um, because, you know, yeah, again, maybe it's fun to go to a concert in Fortnite. But what if the oh, that's the but if you're if you're that age, I'm sure you're having a fine time. But is that a replacement for going out of your house? Is that it, what if the only version of that is there? What if you have to have a Fortnite account and buy Fortnite skins, and then all of a sudden it's not just enough to have the clothes you put your body in, you have to have clothes you put your avatar in as well, creating new elements for consumption and new places for production with, to happen without production, right? It is, if anything, it's, it's capital's dream because it allows, because exploitation is potentially infinite, requires no investment, and can just be imagined. Right mm. and 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 where pure coercion is po- pure and perfect coercion is possible because you can just be deleted or kicked off or whatever simply and on the basis of terms of service that you have no democratic accountability over because you're consuming a product become created by a company but your consumption of that product becomes a precondition to you living and going to work and doing all these things. Um, we, we, we gotta go to the virtual Bergheim Morty. He's called the he's called the piss guy Morty. Look, look <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna need to fist me, Morty. It's 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 about blending in. So, um, <laughs> but the thing is, like, the, the metaverse as these people imagine it, right? This paradise is kind of a mall combined with a Zoom call, combined with a ball pen. But oh, my with, favorite like, things with the sense of spatiality. But it's a fantasy that the simulacra of activities can replace them. But it's, it's also Club Penguin, and you're that, getting banned for talking but about also, the also. It's about this fantasy that like property rather than production, just ownership of things rather than the making mm. of things is central to how the economy works because it's just the communication of preferences. And that production is totally disconnected from the economy that you can reproduce certain elements of our world by imagining this frictionless infinite canvas, which is another metaverse startup, by the way, upon which people can just project their desires and trade them back and forth and you just skim a little bit of each transaction off. That goes to the fundamental characteristic that the many definitions of the metaverse, which are basically a shopping list, by the way, rather than an actual an attempt to get to the core of what it is, that's why they tend to include that tend to include things like a persistent economy with real world consequences. But why is that necessary? It's because like the metaverse is about, at least in part, a more perfect version of capital with the exchanges, communication, and management, but no messy realities of actually having to make anything, actually having to exert ideological power. These virtual worlds aren't really a problem, but like, who's the problem is that the people who are building them want to design these strange elements of ideology into them. And they want that to be where people can live. And I'm worried that people are going to be forced to live in them. Yeah. Meet your virtual landlord. And He's not yeah, going your to fix your virtual landlord. boiler. 
who's making you live in Habbo Hotel, which is also where you yeah. work. Yeah. And next year, the next year, the Conservative Party conference will be in VR, or like not even next year, but like maybe in a few years, the Conservative Party conference will be in VR, and we will get to see Laura Koonsberg do a virtual reality rap battle with like. Um, I don't know some some fucking guy who's like got a got uh, oh fuck I don't know like a, like a Peter Griffin avatar with an AI Hard of VR. Winston Churchill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's an example though of how because uh, one of the things that interests me most about this is work labor etc. Um, and because some of these uh these metaverse games mm. advertise themselves as being more quote unquote real because they're games without NPCs. What they are mm. is they're games based on crypto where some players pay others to be NPCs in their games. Mm -hmm. Right. So, this is the gig economy right. angle to this, right? Like, we always have to ask, like, you know, whither the gig economy, where is the low-wage, like, hyper-precarious piecemeal work in any of these uh, big technological systems and fantasies? And it's like, there, that, that's, that's where it is, right? Yeah. Like, like, there's no AI anymore. I mean, we all know AI is a fucking, like, wizard behind the curtain anyways. It's a fantasy. So, like, why, might as well just lean into it and market the fact that, no, this isn't AI. There's no NPCs. These are actual people that you get to boss around, that you get to to use to uh, to to fill out your 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 dinner your virtual dinner party or your mystery game or you you know you're gonna mm -hmm. play Clue and you're gonna actually get to kill one of these people in real life. It's <laughs> it's really fun. So the, his, citizens of Decentraland, which is a metaverse game, are constantly using the the areas in Decentraland that they buy with real money, using uh, or rather they buy the crypto token of Decentraland called Mana with real money they buy plots of land in the game with with that money and then they use that to throw concerts art exhibitions or have games there that other players can come play so there's an example where you can build a casino on your plot of land in decentraland mm -hmm. and then hire another player to go be the croupier at that casino and pay them in the cryptocurrency that the whole thing runs on so you can be cool. paid to be an npc Awesome. People will literally be NPCs in right. in the metaverse. Um, right. It's, it's a quite totalitarian vision, right? Because the it's who it's this it's this controlling of all of this unproductive labor, but then all of this productive labor invisible around it from who builds and maintains the servers, who does the programming, who brings all of the people all of the like you know liquid slop that they need in order to not like get atrophy while they're sort of plugged in, right? Mm. There are it's all of these, all of this actual real labor has to go on outside and all of this hyper-exploitation happens inside and it's just a smaller and smaller number of people who actually benefit from it. It's a deeply totalitarian vision, but made sort of comfy and exciting for, you know, um, moronic uh, bovine middle managers. Yeah, cool. basically, Right. Look forward to it. <laughs> it's pretty fun, right? We'll be logging on. Finally, the petty bourgeois are ascendant. They will take their place on the throne. Yeah, and I mean, one replace Hussein with an NPC. <laughs> one thing, and, and I mean, even when Zuckerberg talks about it, right? He talks about it in terms of a new workspace for middle manager type people. So he says, "Oh, it'll transform like the nature of work." He says, "What you'll be able to do," and this is in an interview. Um, you'll be able to, with a snap of your fingers, pull up your perfect workstation. So anywhere you go, you can walk into a Starbucks, for example, and you can sit down, you'll be drinking your coffee, and then wave your hands, then have as many monitors and calls as you want. 
and that's what work is to the people who imagine what this is. That's what real work is. That's what trying yeah, to facilitate doing doing sort of the minority report computer interface, but for having phone calls about like fucking business. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And what doing I think, deals. What I think actually is, predicting the deals before they happen. <laughs> I think it's very funny. He says. And this is something it's really revealing, I think, about one of the other reasons, in addition to sort of fantasies about not being or not having elements of your platform decaying. This is another thing that why I think Facebook is so interested in it. They say, I think a, a lot about the computing platforms we have now. This is Zuckerberg. We have phones. They're relatively small. And a lot of the time we're spending, we're basically mediating our lives and communications through these small glowing rectangles. And I think that's not how people really are made to interact. We're used to being in a room with people and having a sense of space where if you're sitting to my right, that means I'm also sitting to your left. We have some sense of space in common. When you speak, it's coming from my right. It's not just all coming from the same place in front of me. And he says, no, no, no. We're not meant to have phones. We're meant to be in meetings like this in a boardroom. This is how people are meant to exist with one another. And it's like, that's relatively recent. (laughs) That's a recent development. But also, it's, it's Mark Zuckerberg saying, oh, what a coincidence. I found out how humans are actually meant to interact with one another. And wouldn't you know it, it's actually all going to be naturally, mind you, has to be channeled through this platform that I'm inventing. Mm. It's crazy. What a coincidence. some virtual meets. It says, the interactions <laughs> that we have will be a lot richer and feel real. In the future, instead of just doing this over a phone call, you'll be able to sit as a hologram on my couch, or I'll be able what to sit as a hologram on your couch. What about just actually going to someone's house? What is wrong with you, you fucking nerd? <laughs> no, if you go into someone's house, then you have to go outside. You might get bullied. Oh, yeah, that is true. <laughs> to be fair, that is true. I bet Mark Zuckerberg gets bullied every time he leaves his house. <laughs> oh, if only. <laughs> Also, it sort of goes against all the research around like meetings and how useless and like unproductive they are, yeah. right? Like, Why this facilitate them? Having a, They're useless. This, this form of having a meeting like doesn't do anything for product. Like, there's a lot of extensive research and writing based on this. Like, and that the only people who enjoy it are like middle managers and bosses who just like the idea of having like being given a fake job with like a huge sense of authority. Which again, it makes sense. Like. Why, why, like, Facebook of all companies would kind of think that this is a really great way of, like, organizing a society or, like, organizing a community? Um, it says also, uh, last couple of things before we close out. He actually says, the other thing I think is going to be pretty exciting is having meetings. <laughs> awesome. Uh, it was so exciting having meetings when I had a sense of space of being in the same room with people. It definitely wasn't more exciting when I could just, like, not be in the same room with people and not be having to wear, like, uncomfortable pants and shoes. <laughs> Yeah, same. yeah. It was so exciting awesome. when I had to wear the uncomfortable pants and shoes. Loved it. Even though the avatars aren't as realistic today as they will be in a few years, in a lot ways, a lot of ways. By the way, what they have looks like Habo Hotel, right? Mm. He has basically <laughs> made Habo Hotel. Mm. Um, it's like shit. <laughs> but in a lot of ways, it almost feels more real. Like you have a sense of space, and he loves to talk about this: this feeling of realness, sense of space, and all of this, right? And he says. But what he's really driving at, that's all the stuff that's meant to sort of entice you towards it, even if it's moronic. Um, But he says, it's not just enough to create something people like to use. I'll say you certainly can't even manage that. It has to create opportunity and broadly be a positive thing for society in terms of economic opportunity, in terms of being something that socially everyone can participate in. So we're really designing the work that we're doing in the space with those principles from the ground up. This isn't just a product we're building. It needs to be an ecosystem. 
so the creators we work with, the developers, they're not just going to need to be able to sustain themselves, but hire a lot of folks. And this is something that I hope millions of people will eventually be working in and creating content for, whether it's experiences or spaces or virtual goods or virtual clothing, or doing work to help curate, pe- to help curate and introduce people to spaces and keep it safe. I just think this is going to be a huge economy. And frankly, I think that it needs to exist. It must. Ooh. It has to. I'm sorry, there's no alternative to logging on with your Iron Man costume and then you know, getting Facebook advertisements while you try to like do a spreadsheet because that's I, the economy of the future. I feel like I feel like Sam, like Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction, like say space one more time, motherfucker, say space one more time. <laughs> but also it's like, I think that having to monetize people's interactions through sort of meaningless busy work is actually a kind of acknowledgement that that was never really that valuable. Because in order to actually get value out of it, capital has to show you ads while you do it, which basically means it has to be, it sort of counts as leisure time as opposed to productive time, because you don't actually have to be focused on it. You just have to be sort of sitting there for eight hours a day, right? That it is now all sort of merging into a kind of fun where you being at work in your spreadsheet factory or you being at the dance club or you going to the mall as Captain America the whole time, you're just sitting on your couch through all of it. Like it's just sort of an illusion, right? And I think that critique doesn't mean that I don't value inner life. It means I think I understand when I'm being lied to. I understand when I'm being hosed effectively, right? Uh, anyway, I'll um I see we're going long, so I'll uh, I'll wrap it. Um, anyway, you're gonna I, wrap I, it like <laughs> like a freestyle <laughs> wrap it. <laughs> Go yeah. for it, Riley. <laughs> hit the so, mic. Are you here to say something in a major way? Uh, no, I'm not. What I am here to say <laughs> is thank you so much to Jathan for coming on today and hanging out with us. Of course, always a pleasure. You are always invited to come and continue to improve your uh, lounge access. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and to recommend everyone once again to listen to uh, This Machine Kills, mm. uh, one of the uh, two technology podcasts that is um, very smart about it. Uh, it it's, yeah. it's that one and Tech Won't Save Us. Uh, so check those out. Yeah. This uh, machine does not suck you off. This machine does not suck you off, crucially. No. Don't try. <laughs> right? I'll no, tell it's Jason. Gonna, it's not going to be good for you. No. Don't put your, don't put your dick well, in there. we don't have the metaverse yet, so... Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, but and also to remind everybody, we have a Patreon. It's five dollars a month. You can subscribe to it to get a second episode every week. You can subscribe to it. That's true. Um, and finally, uh, to should you I don't know award the uh, uh, Trash Future Podcast uh, uh, Donkey of the Week award uh, to Ginkgo Bioworks uh, for being <laughs> another uh, soft bank back boondoggle. Uh, that appears to be potentially unraveling at the seams. They will live on in the metaverse. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so with all that being said, thank you very much, Jathan, again. Thank you very much to all the listeners, to my co-host, and we'll see you in the premium on a couple of days. Bye. 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 Yeah.